Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. You might ask the question of what happened after the resurrection? Anybody remember Paul Harvey in here? Raise your hand, all you old folks. I'm kidding. I'm me too. But Paul Harvey used to say, and in a moment, the rest of the story. He would keep you, he'd keep you on the very edge of where you need to be. And you want to hear it. Sometimes he would say it before and now for the rest of the story. But now we're going to talk about over the next few weeks that we're going to talk about what happened after the resurrection. What is the rest of the story? What did Jesus do following the resurrection, coming out of the tomb? And we're going to talk about in the next few weeks the promise of the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit came. Jesus, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But what a difference the Holy Spirit made when he came into this earth physically. What he made into the first church and also the church today. Because let me tell you something. The same Holy Spirit that was back then... In the beginning, God created. There's a Holy Spirit was right there in the book of Genesis. He's the same as he was then, but he's even more powerful today. Well, let me look what the first thing Jesus did. Number one, Jesus showed up. Sorry. I am really dry this morning. Jesus showed up. First thing he did, he showed up at the tomb and he was providing comfort to Mary at the tomb. Look at what he says in John here. It says, dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, and who are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have taken him away, please tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Mary was a mess, man. She was crying. She was grieving. Uh, she was a little fearful. Uh, of what? Because the body was gone. She went up to the tomb and it wasn't there anymore. Her hope was fading. And here's the thing. She was missing Jesus pretty bad. It wasn't just about the death. She, she had been around him for all of these years now and she was missing him. And she needed Jesus to show up for her. And this is what he said. He had spoken to her. He just said, why are you crying? He just said, why, who are you looking for? But she did not recognize his voice. Look here at verse 16. Then he said, Mary, with an exclamation point, Mary. Jesus said, and she turned to him and cried, Rabbi, which means teacher. You know, it's like when your kids are running around out there, you know, there's kids running all over the place. But when your kids call your name, you know their voice, don't you? Come on, when they say mama and they say daddy and they say gee, or then they go, poppy. That's what Kay does. She taught him how to go, Poppy, where are you at, Poppy? But you know, there are so many voices around you, but you know the voice of who they are. And when he showed up, he spoke her name. Listen, there must have been a flood of emotions going through Mary at that time. She might have even remembered what it felt like when he first showed up in her life. You know, she was a mess when he showed up into her life. He cared enough to cast out the demons out of her. And not only that, they were tormenting her day and night. And he cared enough to show up for her. He cared enough to heal her from the past. No one else wanted to have anything to do with Mary because, first of all, she was demon-possessed. And she didn't have the best reputation in the world either. But she remembered how he loved her. 
when no one else loved her. She remembered being so close to him that she recognized, that's why she recognized when she said, when he spoke her name. She was so close that she could see it. And when he said Mary, she knew it was her teacher. She knew it was her, I'm, slowed, I'm slowing way down this morning. It was her teacher, it was her leader, but mostly importantly, it was her savior. Can I encourage you today that Jesus knows your name? Come on, Isaiah 43.1 says this, but now, O oh Jacob, and I want you to do this. I want you to put your name in there. Now, Sal, Amy, Miss Terry, he knows your name. You may feel like that you've been uh, out somewhere else and Jesus doesn't know. Maybe you feel like you've been in the wilderness. I'm gonna talk about that in just a few minutes. But Jesus knows where you're at. He says, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He took it personal. He takes knowing each and every one of you in this room. It's so hard to fathom that sometimes, how billions of people could be, and God knows each one of them by name. He knows the very hairs on your head. Or not. Every time, he, every time I get up and I start shaking, he'll go, oh, there's one less, 99 98, 97, and if you've seen our bathtub, there's, I think she's losing a few hairs too. She blames me, but yet they're this long. I was like, that ain't mine, I promise you. <laughs> Psalms 56, 8 says this. Listen, this is how much he cares about you. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all, oh, come on, somebody. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. One verse says, I have written your name on the palm of my hands. Do you remember back when you were in school 100 years ago when you would write the girl you like on your, on your hand and you would show her? Did y'all not ever do that? Gosh, I must be really old then. We are, we are going to Florida here in a little while, and we're going to get a, our own tie-dye T-shirts that says, Mindy loves rich on it. She's going, heck no, we ain't doing that either. But he knows you enough to where it says he engraved your name on the palm of his hand. Let's be thankful. Let's be grateful this morning that Jesus called our name. Why? Because fear once called your name. Depression once called your name. Suicide once called your name. It used to call your name. Shame and guilt and bitterness and anger and unforgiveness used to call your name. Now, when they try to call, you give them the old ball game. Say, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Come on, that's what we need to do to the devil sometimes. I can't hear you. You're trying to come in and speak to me. You're trying to tell, you're trying to label me and tell me who I used to be, but I'm not listening to you anymore. Yeah, I'm not listening to that name anymore. Because let me tell you something. Once you name it, it's hard to walk away from it. So I'm asking you this morning, let's release some names that have been spoken. Maybe you've had some things that have been spoken over you in your life. We're going to release that today and know that the name above all names, Jesus Christ, can take care of all of that. Ooh, he's good. Jesus always shows up when you need him. 
He said to her, he says, go tell the disciples I'm alive. I want you to encourage them and tell them I'm not in the grave anymore. I am alive. Why did they need encouragement? Because it had been tough. You know, Jesus wasn't around as much as he used to be, right? You know, there's, they're looking around. They had, they'd been, they had had access to Jesus for 24-7, right? And all of a sudden, he's gone. The fire kind of had seemed like it subsided just a little bit, and fear and uncertainty, and all these things had crept into their lives. Isn't that like us sometimes when we're not hearing, when we're not seeing, and when we're not feeling everything God wants us? It is like that. It feels like we're in the wilderness. We're saying to God, where are you, God? I'm here. Where are you? We're saying, why am I even in this place? And then you ask the question, how long am I going to be here? Most of the time, where are you, God, is not the answer. It's where, 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 where did you go? God's always been there. So many times we move away from him and we ask where he's at, but he's like, I, I'm the same place where you left me. Oh, that one would preach for two hours right there. But he says, we ask God, how long am I going to be here? But can I tell you something? The wilderness is not always a bad thing. Because sometimes the wilderness can get your attention when nothing else can get your attention. What it does, it can turn you off of a course that you're heading the wrong direction. And God has to put you in a place where only you can hear his voice. And here's what happens. It makes you depend upon him. Because when you're in that place, you have nothing else to depend on but God. If you've ever been in those places before, you just uh, man, I don't know why I'm here. But then you get to the other side of it and you say, God, I, I was just talking to James this morning. We don't understand what we go through and where it brings us to. But sometimes we go through those things to get to the other side of it. And 10 years from now, you're going to look and say, man, I know exactly why I was, why I had to go through that. I couldn't understand it when I was in it. But God, thank you that, oh. It might be a place to help you understand the plan that God has for you just a little bit better. Listen, the disciples didn't understand the plan. Jesus had told them at least three times. He said, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be spit on. And then I'm going to be killed. But on the third day, I'm coming back. He had told them three times. You ever get frustrated when you tell someone, oh, don't even let the women, don't even let the Women talk, look at their husbands right now. But don't you get frustrated when you said something three or four times and it just doesn't sink in? But here, we're having some marriage counseling right after service. We'll be, we'll be fine. But here's the thing. He didn't get frustrated at all that they didn't understand. He showed up physically again. Listen, he could have shouted from heaven. He could have went and said, okay, here's what you got to do next. And uh, here's the basic instructions of where we're going. I'm up in heaven. I'm chilling. I'm going to stay up here. No, he showed up physically. He could have sent an angel down to give, the, to, to give the message. He could have had a prophet say the same thing. But no, he showed up physically again. He personally showed up because he knew there was fear. He knew there was discouragement. And he knew there was doubt. Speaking of doubt, the most famous doubter in the Bible is Doubting Thomas, right? One of the, one of the disciples. Listen to John 20. It says this. Now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. 
he was, he was absent. The other disciples said to him, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see the hands and the print of the nails, and I put my finger into the print of the nails, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas, he didn't believe what he was told. He believed what he could see. Isn't that like us too sometimes? We want to touch something. We want to, it has to be tangible. It has to be real before we'll ever believe it. And that's where faith comes in. Faith, sometimes you can't explain faith. But Thomas had to see it for himself. In verse, look at verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were with him inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, he showed up, the door being shut, and he stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Listen, in his deepest moment of sorrow, of hopelessness, and in doubt, Jesus showed up for Thomas. He's always going to show up for you no matter what. Jesus had every right and every reason to leave Thomas in his unbelief, but he met him exactly where he was at. And he met him exactly where Thomas needed him. So many times, God, well, God's right there. He's right there when you need him. He's just a phone call away. Now, Jeremiah, what is that? Never mind, I can't remember. That's God's telephone number. But he's there every time you need him. Even he went so far as to say, here, touch it. He showed him the very thing that Thomas needed because there's so many times we won't believe unless we touch it. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter the trial and even the doubt, he will always show up and make an appearance when you need him. Here's the thing about Jesus. He's got nothing to hide. He's got nothing to cover up. He's got nothing to evade or avoid. Most leaders will only show you their achievements. They're only going to show you their highlight reel, right? They're only going to show you the good and, and, and everything, but they're not going to show you their wounds. Jesus showed him the scars, and his scars were necessary to lead him because the Bible says signs are for the unbelievers. He was willing to be vulnerable for Thomas because he knew that's what Thomas needed. If you're not willing to do that, you're not a leader, you're a performer. If you're not willing to do that, you are not a leader, you are a performer. Listen, if you've been around here for so many, you've been around here as long as you've been, you know that we're very real up here. You don't have a perfect pastor, even though I got a sharp shirt on today. Target, $18. But you don't have a perfect pastor standing up here. You don't have perfect pastors, even though she's close to it. You have people that are being, she's going to say, y'all. I'm trying to get my brownie points in. But we are, we're just real. And we struggle sometimes just as much as you all do. We, and we show that to you. And that's what Jesus was doing. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm here. I've shown up to you, and I am real today. Being authentic and real is more valuable than being perfect. Here's what he does. Jesus still invites all doubters to see for themselves. 
The old Bible says, oh, taste and see. Once you've tasted and seen what the, that the Lord is good, you can't go back. You might run away, but you're always going to remember. Oh, come on. You can run, but you can't hide from the Holy Ghost. Believe you me, I tried it um, numerous times. But Jesus showed up, and he was reassuring them that he was still there. Another thing Jesus did, number two, Jesus restores. Peter had really messed up. Come on, he was a mess. He had messed up. Look at Matthew here. It says, Jesus said to him, to Peter, assuredly I say to you this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, listen to Peter, big mouth. He said, he said even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. But the first thing he did in the garden is he lopped off somebody's ears and then he ran away. Then he denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And on the third time, he cussed. It said he cursed and said, no, I don't know this man. But then the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly because he knew what he had done. Peter was feeling like a failure. Guilt and shame were all over him, and it was taking him backwards. He found himself going back to what was familiar. How many times have we done that? We go back to something. When it all hits the fan, we go back to where it was comfortable. Or so we thought. Because that comfort doesn't last very long, does it? Look what, John, look what he did. John 21. Simon Peter said to them, all the disciples, I'm going back fishing. And they said to him, hey, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught Nothing. You know, it had to really be working on Peter too. Now, I failed all of this time. I've, I've done everything wrong, and now I can't even fish anymore. That was my profession. It's what I did. And now I can't even do that. So that even raised up more doubt and more rejection in him. And listen, it not only affected him, but you got to know it affects other people around you. They all got in the boat with him. Be careful not to take others with you when you get back into the boat. Because where you go matters. What you do matters. Because other people will be in the boat when you go. Don't take people back to the place that you've escaped from. You, listen, you've escaped negativity. Don't take other people with you. You've escaped depression. Don't take people with you anymore. Do Whatever you've escaped from, don't take people back to with it. When you go back to what's familiar, here's what happens. You plan, you implement the plan, and you work really hard to get that plan going. You strive to make it all happen in you, and then most of the time, it doesn't come, nothing comes of it. That always happens when you try to do it on your own. Jesus' plan for him was not to be a natural fisherman anymore. Remember when he said, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But what Peter did after all the mistakes and the running, he lost sight and he forgot who he was. He needed to be restored. Mark 16 says this, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. And he said to him, and he said to you, that did not go well. 
as he said to you. Sorry about that. He says, tell the disciples and Peter. Again, we see Jesus calling Peter by his name. Jesus knew Peter needed a little more encouragement than the rest of them. He knew because Peter had ran away and denied him and, and done all the things, he singled him out and he wanted him to know that he was still important to him. He's saying that to you right now. You're still important to me. And if I have to single it out and call you by name, you're still important to me. It was time for some restoration to take place in Peter. John 21. It says, after breakfast... Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus asked Peter if he loved him more than these. What's he referring to? Maybe he was referring to his boat. Maybe he was referring to his nets, and he was referring to his profession or the things that he could see. You might ask today, is Jesus saying, do you love me more than these? Are you willing to give up something and love me more than your possessions? Than fame or anything else that could be out there that you're going? He's asking, do you love me more than all of these things? He could also have been saying, do you love me more than, than your homeboys? The disciples that are hanging around you, do you love me more than them? Do you love me more than the relationship that I've tried to get you out of? Ooh, don't meddle. I ain't got my steel toes on this morning. Do you love me more than these? In verse 16, he says, Jesus repeated this question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said, a third time he called to him and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. It says Peter was hurt. You know what was hurting him? Because he remembered all the times he'd messed up. He was like, I really want you to know, Jesus, that I love you. He asked him three times, but sometimes it takes more Another husband thing. Sometimes you got to say it more than once for it to sink in. Right, honey? She's nodding her head, yes. She's probably told me something 10 times and it didn't sink in. But sometimes you have to hear something more than once. He said it three times because he wanted to make sure, Peter, do you understand the gravity of the conversation we're having right now? Jesus asked him three times to remind him that he went to the cross for all three times that he denied him. And here's the thing. He wanted him to also know that he forgave him for all of them. He didn't hold the first denial against him. No, I might let him by with that one. Second one, here's how we operate. Second one, oh, no, I ain't, I'm not ever forgiving you for that one. Third time rolls around, you're done, right? He told Peter three times, I love you enough to forgive you of every time you denied me. Jesus is in the restoration business. And listen, you're going to fall down. We all do. The Bible says we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. So you're going to mess up. You're going to deny Jesus in certain ways. You're going to do the things you're not supposed to do. But Jesus is there to tell you, get up. Failure doesn't keep you from the mission. Quitting does. Come on. 
The only way you lose is if you quit. I'm just telling somebody in here this morning, Jesus is not done with you. He is still calling your name. He's calling you forward into the destiny that he has for you. Because look at Peter. Peter may have stumbled in his faith, but it didn't cancel his identity. Look at Matthew 16. He said, now I say to you, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. You are not disqualified because of your past. You're not disqualified because of no education. You're not disqualified because of your social status or, or your family or your wealth or your personality. You are qualified. And he was telling Peter, I don't care how much you messed up. You are still the rock. And you're still, I'm going to talk about it next week, about building the church on the rock. He said, you're still my rock, Peter. Peter must have been, man, how in the world can I still be the rock? That rock. <laughs> I just had a picture of the rock coming to me here. But let me just tell you something. God has given you specifically talent. He's given you ability. He's given you creativity, even ever I get it every once in a while. He's given you power to make things happen. You can't let all of this discouragement keep you from going to the place where God wants you to go. You are enough. You're stronger than you think you are. You have more to offer than you sit around and tell yourself you don't. And listen, you belong. That's why he wanted Peter. He says, and Peter, you belong to me, Peter, even though you messed up. We see Jesus make time for relationships, and he's never too busy to show up and care for someone and restore them. Listen, that's what we need to be. We need to show up for our families. We need to show up for our homes. We need to show up for our church family, too. We got to show up for our community, our friends, and our coworkers, because when we show up, things happen. Let's be intentional and show up where we're needed. Number three, I'm almost done. Jesus empowered and he instructed. Jesus is leaving them, right? He's turning the responsibility over to the disciples. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. It was the great commission in Matthew 28. And in Matthew 28, he says this. He says, go get an awesome building. Make sure you have the best lights. Make sure the cameras are, are top-notch. Have a great service and just hold on till Jesus comes. No, that's not what he said. He said, go. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always even to the end of the age. Nothing wrong with lights and cameras, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Pastor Lonnie got in big trouble for his 75-foot screen on his thing. But two or three of the pastors in that conference were like, you don't have to have a big screen. He's like, we didn't always have a big screen. I remember we didn't have no lights in this church at one time. But what, I, what he was saying is you don't have to have all that. You just got to be willing to go. It's not good enough to just have another church, good church service. You know, good church services are good, but they don't change life. The Holy Ghost changes lives. It's our job to show people that we know God, not know about him. Everybody knows about God, but do you know him? 
There's a difference. One day he's going to stand up in front of it, and we're going to stand in front of him, and he's going to say, I never knew you. I never knew you. So there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing who he truly is. We should be showing our faith and letting it be a part of our every single day life. Listen, I'm not saying you gotta stand up on a soapbox every time you go in Kroger or you gotta stand up at your work and, and always. We have, I shouldn't say this. Have you ever been around those people that were just so God annoying? Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm, don't throw shoes at me. Everything, everything is spiritual. If they had a raisin, God dried up this raisin to make. Y'all know the person I'm talking about. You're like, oh, Lord Jesus. But then we got on the other side where we don't say anything about God. We go through our lives and nobody even knows that we go to church. Nobody knows that we that we serve God, I think we need to make it part of our everyday life and not be annoying with it, but be good. Thank you, honey. You know why? Because your testimony, whether, keep it a couple minutes, don't make it 46 minutes long. Now, ain't nobody got time for that. But if you keep it short, your testimony could change somebody's life. We have to invest and we have to teach what we know. And Jesus invested for three years in these disciples. And you know what? He knew they weren't going to be perfect. He knew that they weren't going to do everything right. But even though he was leaving physically, he promised to send the Holy Spirit. Listen to what John says. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. We're going to talk about how to look and how to recognize who the Holy Ghost is. But you know him because he lives here with you now and later will be with you. That's why they, that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to lead, guide, and direct us. Listen, we live in, come on worship team, get up here, I'm about to close. Uh, we live in such a, we live in such a convoluted world that we don't know, even as Christians, we don't know which way is up anymore. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You, even if you're seasoned in God, you still have a hard time sometimes navigating through this crazy world we live in. If you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost in you, we're gonna have a hard time moving in the direction that he has for us to go. We're about to soar, as Amy said. We're about to take off. But we're also going to need to be elevated in a way that we can be able to lead someone else to Christ because these, these, this world is crazy. We got to understand the power and the influence that the Holy Spirit has. And next week we're going to talk about the, how the first church started and the power. And then we're going to talk a little bit over the next few weeks about his influence in our own lives. If y'all would stand with me, please. I'm gonna ask the question this morning, a couple of pretty easy ones. Who needs Jesus to show up for them this morning? 
I got news for you. He's here today. He's never left here. He's here because we're here. If you need him to show up for you, maybe that means you've never accepted Jesus into your life. Maybe you've never made that profession of faith and, and Easter was always just a holiday. But when you accept what he did at the cross and you understand the sacrifice and the blood that he shed for you and then came out of that tomb like a boss because he needed you to be made new. This morning, God can still, he can show up for you. If you would, bow your heads and no one looking around. If there's anyone in here that maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you would, just slip up your hands. We'd just like to pray with you. We won't call you out. I see that hand. I see those hands. This morning, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week. So this morning, you can start a new journey with God just basically by saying, God, I messed up like Peter. I messed up. I need forgiveness. I want you to come into my heart and make me new today. The good thing is if you, can, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you can be saved. And then we want to be here for you to walk you through the steps, there's a next steps bar out there. We would love for you to stop by that and get the next steps in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need some restoration in your life. Maybe some things have just, just kind of crumbled around you and you just need to, a time of God just to restore me back. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. just here today and you just need the power of the Holy Ghost to come and just empower you and give you the strength that you need to make it in the world that we live in today. So as they get ready to sing this song, the altars are open. The prayer team will be up on the left and the right here and the altars are open if you want to pray, if you just want to come and just spend this time saying, God, I need you to show up. I need you to restore me and I want the power back that I once had. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.